You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleaver, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleaver.com. You know, I tell you, I look at Facebook, social media, all of that more and more every day. And, and the more and more I look at it, the more I get frustrated. You guys get frustrated with it because I see I see us as Christians sometimes being the uh, the police. Okay, we go around and we tell everybody how they should act, how they should walk, how they should do things, how they should dress. And here's the thing: God didn't call us to do that. God didn't call us to wield our our Bible bat and beat people over the head until they finally submit. To what they're supposed to be doing. But here's the thing. You know what God has called us to do? He's called us to what? He's called us to be defined by our love. We're supposed to be defined by our love. We're supposed to be defined by how we care about somebody. But do we find that on social media most of the time? No, we don't. And here's the thing, social media could be a great tool for the church. In fact, it is a great tool. Did you know that our live feed is seen all over the world in many different countries? And it's, it's pretty cool that God can use social media to do that thing. But what, man, what God can use for good, man can also use for evil. And sometimes we don't understand that our goal here is to reach those that don't know Jesus. My grandpa always told me growing up, he said, don't be surprised when lost people act like lost people. They're just acting how they know how to act. You shouldn't be surprised when lost people don't act like followers of Christ because they don't know Jesus like you do. Don't be surprised. Reach out and love them. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, go to Luke chapter 19. We're going to be continuing in our Zacchaeus portion of the scripture, but this week, um, in my study for the message, uh, an old hymn was brought to my mind. Uh, an old hymn, it was called Bringing in the Sheaves. Anybody know that one? Bring in the Sheaves, a couple of you. Okay, Teresa does. Teresa, do you know this song? We're trying to act impromptu. This happened impromptu last service. Would you mind singing the song for them, Teresa? I just so happen to have the words right here. I sprung it on her last service. It's not really a surprise, this service. Is this mic on so she can sing? They're ready. Why are you turning so red? Oh, the things I do for Jesus. Uh, okay. <laughs> More about that later. Y'all feel free to join in, please. Sowing in the morning, sowing seeds of kindness, sowing in the noontide and the dewy eve, waiting for the harvest and the time of reaping, we shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Yeah, y'all give her a hand. Now, what does, that ver what does that song say? It says that we're supposed to bring in the sheaves. Let's see what the Bible says. Psalm 126, 5 through 6, what this hymn is based upon says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seeds to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. 
Guys, what we are called to do is we are called to go out to the harvest field and bring in the sheaves. The sheaves are, are bundles of, of harvest that we are supposed to bring in the place. But here's what we do as the church. We prop open the front door and we go, y'all get on in here. Come on. Come on into this place right here. And we're surprised when they don't. We kick open the door and say, if we only had a good outreach ministry, they would come into this place. I got news for you. I'm looking at the outreach ministry. It's you. You mean, you mean do that one more time, Grant? One more time. I'm looking at the outreach ministry. It's you guys. You said, come on. I thought you were. I'm looking at the outreach ministry. It's you guys. There you go. All right. Wow, we didn't rehearse that. Maybe next time. Uh, and so, guys, you are called to go out and reach the lost just like I am. It's not pastor's job to make sure everybody gets saved. It's your job. It's your job. The Bible says, go therefore and make disciples. We talked about it this week. It's everybody's job. And so my title for the message this week is simply bringing in the sheaves. How do we bring in the sheaves? How do we bring in the harvest? Number one, our testimony needs to align with God's compelling testimony. Our testimony needs to align with God's compelling testimony. If you're there, Luke chapter 19 Back to our old friend Zacchaeus, he'd said he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. Anybody got short people problems? This guy right here, okay? Got to have a stool everywhere I go. So he ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? Okay? Uh, calm down. We're not at that part yet. <laughs> to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And so... Zacchaeus had never met Jesus, but he had heard such great stories about him that he wanted to climb up in a tree as high as he could just to see what was going on, just to see what it was all about. Guys, I'm here to tell you today that you were called to live such a life that people know who you serve without even asking you. You beam with his love. You beam with his kindness. You beam with his goodness. It reminds me of a song. I was a, I was a good church kid growing up. I listened to Christian rock. Uh, one of my favorite bands was uh, DC Talk. Any DC Talk fans? Yeah. 90s church kids rejoice. Uh, one of my favorite songs of theirs uh, was Jesus Freak. All right, y'all remember that when you sing along? Ready? What would people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? What would people do when they find that it's ha, 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 ooh. Right? You're in your car. Yeah. Uh, uh. But what, is, what does it say? He says, I'm not in the hiding the truth. They let them see on you. Let them see that you're different. Guys, the world around us needs to see that we're different because if they don't see that they're different, why would they want what we have? If our life wasn't any different, what do they need it for? And so what I'm saying to you is you should live in such a way that people see you as different. Different is good. Number two, be kingdom-minded. Be kingdom-minded. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says... Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moss and vermin destroy 
and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Guys, what do you treasure? I, as your pastor, what we treasure as a church is we treasure life's changed and souls saved. Let me say that again. We treasure lives changed and souls saved. That's what gets us out of bed in the morning. But do you have urgency? Guys, let me tell you something. Today, before you go to sleep, there will be people that die and go to hell today because we didn't tell them about Jesus. Are you okay with that? I'm not. Where is your urgency? Now, a few years back, I was a, I was a camp counselor. We were swimming in a lake. Do y'all know what lives in lakes? Creatures, okay? So I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm joking around, having a good time, you know, cutting up with the kids. I know, hard to see. Uh, and then someone says a word that will bring shivers down your spine. They said what? Snake. And I went, I turn around. And I see about 20 yards away, a water moccasin (laughs) through the water. And I'm sitting there, I'm in charge to make sure these kids don't die. And there's a water moccasin. (laughs) Anybody ever seen Lonesome Dove? Immediately, that scene from Lonesome Dove when the snake went up and (laughs) into his face came into my head. So you know what I did? I had urgency. I grabbed, I'm running to the dock. And as I'm running to the dock, because I ain't slowing down, okay? I'm grabbing kids by their belt, chunking them up onto the dock. Yeah, get out of the water. Come on. Because why? I wasn't going to let any kid die on my way out because I wasn't going back for anybody. Right? If you're going to die, you're going to die alone because I'm out. You like that better than the last one? But anyway. (laughs) But here's what I'm saying to you. Here's what I'm saying to you. The urgency was fear of something that could happen. Because we have that same fear. We have to understand that everyone that doesn't know Jesus has that same fear of death and destruction unless we tell them about our hope. We have to have urgency. Like there's a snake coming for you and you got to get out of the water as fast as humanly possible. I'm here to tell you nobody died that day. Even the ones that I threw up on the dock with one hand. Nobody died that day. I may have ripped their swimsuit. Hey, but that's neither here nor there, okay? They didn't die. But guys, what I'm saying to you is there are people dying. Dying and going to hell every day. That has to get us motivated to do something. Because guys, if we are kingdom minded, we understand it's not about you. Kingdom minded means we worship even if the worship is terrible. Kingdom minded is we seek God even if the preaching is terrible. Kingdom minded is we align around God's vision of this church and reach as many people as we possibly can. Guys, we as a church, we could have just sat here and gone, 
aren't we a good church? We're, we're a 10-year-old church plant and, and we're doing great. No, we saw that a church needed to be planted in Bosque County and we planted a church in Meridian. Did it take a whole heck of a lot of work? It sure did. But here's the thing. We've got to do whatever it takes to be kingdom-minded. It's not about us. It's about making sure we can tell as many people as we can so that they don't seek death. They don't seek the fate that we know they're going to seek if we don't tell them about Jesus. So number three, we have to understand that there is work to be done. There is so much work to be done. Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for works of service. You are equipped to do his work so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There is always work to be done. And I'm here to report you, it's not easy. God's work is never easy. If it were easy, everybody would do it. I'll tell you a story. This week, Thursday, was faith night. Some of you went out to faith night. But what Grant, my dad, and I had the pleasure of doing is we got before faith night, we needed to dig a ditch that was 120 feet. That's a long way, in case you're wondering. And it was 150 degrees outside. And we were pulling roots of trees out of the hole that thick, okay? I'm here to report to you. Nobody said a bad word. Uh, we were all good. But we sweat our booty off. Did you say a bad word? Not out loud. Not out loud. Okay. Well, Jesus still heard it, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Let's take a moment. You want to pray for Grant, Lord Jesus? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Please forgive Grant, Grant of his potty mouth in Jesus' name. <laughs> There's other people we've got to pray for for that too, so it's fine. Uh, but, but here's the thing. We work till... Two o'clock, sweating, our bodies ached. I didn't want to do anything else anymore. But you know what I did? I went home, took a shower so I could go out and sweat again at faith night. Worshiped for an hour, stayed for the whole game, and worshiped till I pretty much had no voice at 11 o'clock at night. But why do we do that? Why do we work that hard? Why? Because there is always work to be done and doing God's worth doing God's work is worth it now I'm gonna tell you something don't throw it up real quick okay before I before I give you the quote of the week remember this is Jesus this isn't me this is it now it has my name up there but it's Jesus you ready if you are comfortable and not working for the Lord you are right where Satan wants you if you are comfortable and not working for the Lord, you are right where Satan wants you. Satan wants you ineffective. Satan wants you comfortable. And Satan wants you to think that all of this around here is all about you. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus tells you it's all about him. And when we get the focus off of well, I like this kind of coffee or I like this kind of worship or I want chairs that look like this or I want two services, not three services, then we're focused on the right thing. Because guys, I'm here to tell you, I as your pastor, do I want to preach three services? Now, I mean, on my list of things to do, that's not really up there. But here's what I'm telling you. 
If we don't go to three services, we will not have enough room for the harvest. And guys, if we preach that we have to go out and seek and save the lost and we don't allow room for them, what are we going to do? What, what good are we as a church if we don't provide room for people to be in this place? Someone said to me this week, I can't remember who it is, but what happens if there's another great revival? Do we have room for all the people to be in this place? At three services, absolutely we do. Because I'm here to tell you, I hadn't looked at the numbers today. Did they send them to me? I'm looking, hang on, five seconds. I'll do quick math. What's, what? 359. 359 people today that came in and out of these doors. Okay? That's, that's, okay. For two services, that's too much. We just don't have a ton of room. We don't have a whole lot of wiggle room. So next week we go to three services. Why? Not because we enjoy doing the same thing three times. I'm, I'm here to tell you the worship band, you know, we could just play once and we would be fine. But here's the thing. We have to do the work so that there is room for the harvest because it's not about me. It's about Jesus. So what does this mean for us? before nobody comes back next week for three services. <laughs> Remember, this is Jesus, okay? It's not me. <laughs> Teresa and I always have a conversation every week. Well, if people come back after this message, it's just going to be good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what is it? number one? Who is your one? Who is your one person? Now, if you were here last week, I started to talk about that we need to be praying for someone to bring to our kickoff service. Our kickoff service is, is September 8th. Now, it will be a football theme because it's the first Sunday of the NFL season. The men rejoice and the women go, right? And so here's the thing. Well, some of you, some of you women don't. Some of you women like football. You're my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to my wife, please. Um, and so what I'm saying to you is this. We want you to be praying for someone that needs to come and hear about Jesus that day. Now, we'll have a giveaway. Why will we have a giveaway? Because I have to bribe you to bring lost people to church. I shouldn't have to bribe you to be, bring lost people to church. You should just bring lost people to church without me asking you. But we're trying to reward good behavior so that you will repeat it. So we will have something that day. But can you just bring someone that's lost just because you love Jesus? Is that okay? We're good with that? Are we good with that? Okay. And so what I want you to do is bring one person. That's all you're responsible for. Not 15, not 20. Some of you are overachievers and on those days you're like, I brought six friends. Okay, awesome. I just need one, okay? Imagine we had 350 people today. Somebody do the math. How many people would that be if everybody brought one person? Set. Another 350. Thanks, Mo. <clears throat> and your mom's a teacher. Come on. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> 700 people. So think about it. Do the math. Where are we going to put 700 people? Look around. Not in here. Now, there are a few empty places, but how much of you guys do you love just sitting right next to people that you don't know? Is that the highlight of your day? For us extroverts, we're like, yeah, people we don't know. For each reverse, you're like, don't talk to me, right? <laughs> it's true. Please don't. Please don't talk to me. 
That's my wife. She tries real hard. Like she loves like me. I'm like, ha, ah, new people at Walmart. And she's like, oh, we please don't, people we know, don't talk to me. Ah. So if you see my wife at Walmart, just don't talk to her. That would help me a whole lot. Um, now you can talk to me because I'm excited to see you. It's introvert, extrovert. Everybody's different. It's not because she doesn't like you. It's, but here's the thing. You don't want to talk to people that you don't know. And so you're not necessarily going to sit by them. So we can't, we want to jam this place full, but people won't come back, especially new people. Because you're comfortable. You know everybody here. We're one big happy family. And the new people are like, please don't touch me. Right? And they have to, they have to get new. I'm, I'm preaching to Tina, right? Oh. Oh. It's my mother-in-law causing trouble. Security, we get my mother-in-law out of here. Anyway, uh. I'm just kidding. I'll get in trouble if that happens. Number two, are you kingdom-minded or self-focused? Are you worried about what is comfortable for you or are you worried about what it will take to advance the kingdom? Because guys, let's face it. We go to three services next week, 9, 10, 30, and noon. It's gonna take a little bit more work, not just for me, but from all you guys. But are you willing to put in a little bit more work for God's kingdom, to see life's changed. Because literally, honestly, we're only staying about 45 minutes longer than we usually do. We've shortened the time between the services. We're cutting the fat in the services. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to shorten the announcements, shorten the, the offering time, shorten some things that we can shorten because we don't want to take away worship. We don't want to take away preaching. We're trying to trim the fat that we can so that we can have a streamlined service, and then we shorten the distance between the two services. And so really, we're only going to be here 45 minutes longer. So if I'm saying that we can increase our church by a third, is 45 minutes worth it? It better be yes every time. And so what I'm saying to you guys is we have to, in order to be a follower of Christ, in order to be someone that is pushing God's kingdom forward, we have to ask God, I'll do whatever it takes, even if it makes me uncomfortable. Guys, you're talking about adding a third service and you're complaining about it or you're groaning about pastors changing something. When we have a family sitting up here on the front row that's about to sell everything they have here and move to another country to tell people about Jesus. And we're sitting here whining about our first world American problems missionaries are like preach right get them yeah number three as the band and prayer people get in place how is your relationship with jesus how are things with you and god because honestly guys i've seen over and over and over again people get self-focused self-centered when their relationship is off with jesus when they don't have a right alignment with Jesus, they worry about things that they're not supposed to worry about. So I know that in a service like this, especially with people that don't always come to church with us, there's people in this place that don't know Jesus, that have not begun a relationship with Jesus. Now for me, I can pinpoint, there's a time in my life, I was seven years old, at home right before I went to sleep, that I gave my heart over to Jesus. I'm asking you this. Is there a time that you can look back and say, this is the time I gave my life to Jesus? If you can't, I want to encourage you today. Today might be your day for that. 
because we're here for you. We are here for you to accept Jesus. We don't want you to die and go to hell. We want you to be at the greatest party that will ever be in heaven, praising Jesus with us forever. That's where we want you to be. I don't want to get to heaven and not have any of you there. I want you all to be there with me. So in just a moment, if you think today is your day that you want to accept Jesus, I want you to pray a prayer with me. I think we have four getting baptized today. Three, they tell me, after this service. And what they're doing is they're proclaiming to you that something has changed in my heart and I want everybody to know about it. And guys, what I'm saying to you today is that a relationship with Jesus is not something we keep to ourselves. We've got to tell everybody about it so we can celebrate together. And that's what the three people are doing today and the 12 people in the last service. Guys, we had 15 people that are getting baptized today. How amazing is that? sit up here and preach all day about three services, preach all day about doing, doing more work for the Lord, but it's all about those 15 souls that now will be with us in heaven. So my question for you today is, do you need to give your heart over to Jesus? Guys, if you want to give your heart over to Jesus today and get baptized, it's a hundred degrees outside. You won't know the difference. In fact, you'll be like, man, it's nice out here because you're soaking wet and it's no big deal. Just take your phone out you go home and change clothes. No big deal. But here's the question. Here's a question for you guys here that know Jesus. Who is your one? Because remember, we're doing the 642. So we're six weeks out. We're actually five weeks out. Who is the one that you need to bring into this place? Because next week, I'm going to encourage you to do some acts of kindness. But I want you to be praying about the one friend that you know that you, if you went to heaven and you found out that friend wasn't there because of you, that that would pain your heart. I want you to pray about them today during this time too. So Justin, hit the lights. Let's all bow our heads. If you're in here today and you want to give your heart over to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Now don't, you don't have to say it out loud. Just say it right there to where Jesus can hear you. You don't have to say it out. We don't want to embarrass you. But just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need your love. I know I need you to forgive me of my sins. Lord, I know you went to the cross and died for my sins. And rose again three days later so that one day I would not have to face death. Lord, take my life. Use my life to further your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now stay where you are. In just a moment, I'm going to ask us to stand. Those of you that accepted Jesus, I want you to find more prayer people back there and up here. And I want you to let us know so we can celebrate with you because this is not a decision that you keep to ourselves. But let me encourage the rest of you this. God is dealing with people. Now's not a great time to rush to the nursery to get your kids. Now's not a great time to rush to the bathroom. You can hold it for a few more minutes. This is the time that we need to deal with God. Because those of you in this place, 
that know Jesus, there's somebody you need to be praying for to be in this place on September 8th. So if you know Jesus, take that time to do this.